Welcome to the People Analytics and Future of Work podcast with Al Adamson. Hi, this is Al Adamson, founder and executive director of the People Analytics and Future of Work conference and podcast. And I'm super excited to be here with John Panscombe today, founder and CEO of People Insights. John, how are you doing? I'm good, thanks. How are you, Al? I'm doing real well. Very excited. Not as excited as you are, given what happened with Liverpool the other day <laughs> and the Toronto Raptors last night. So you're obviously in a good place. But without going down the sports uh, angle, you are leading people inside, if you don't mind introducing yourself and what you got going there. Yeah, sounds great. And thanks for the opportunity today. It's nice to chat. Yeah, I run and uh, work for People Insight, and we're a uh, workforce analytics platform. We focus on helping organizations out with what we see as a common problem, which has got tons of transactional HR data out there in their organizations. They've made significant investments in these platforms and technologies across all domains of HR, but the data is tracked within those systems, and that works for transactional processing that works for doing the business of HR, which is very important. But as we move forward in business, as we become more strategic in business, information is really the required currency. So what we help out with is to bring that data out of those transactional systems, connect it and unify it into a single data source, which then feeds the analytics and reporting and data discovery and visualization. So we have a platform that does that. And we have a number of principles that we really believe are unique in the HR analytics space. So we've built our product and our business model around those principles. What are some of those principles? And before I let you answer, what you just described is a data orientation where organizations have invested in a lot of transactional systems to facilitate a certain process, whether that be recruiting, performance, learning, uh, comp, or what have you. And what I hear you saying is that your core value proposition is about bringing that data together, visualizing it, disseminating it throughout an organization. Is that a fair summary? Yeah, that's a great summary. We're not a transactional HR system in any way whatsoever. Mm -hmm. We're a business intelligence platform, business intelligence layer, and transactional systems do manage and integrate data in a certain way, which would be very simple and small packets of data moving from one system to another to enable a transactional you know, flow, right? So for instance, let's say you've got a recruitment decision that you get made in your ATS, that recruitment decision gets pushed over in a small package of data yep. to your HCM, HRAS system. And that's the API, that's the integration per se from a transactional perspective. But what's missing is, and what we need for deep analytics and people analytics is the other thousands of pieces of data associated with that candidate in the ATS and all the other sourcing systems and all of the other recruitment information. So what works for transactional purposes of making that higher from a data perspective does not work for intelligence or information or analytics on that. So we need to bring a lot more data in a lot more granular fashion from a lot more sources. 
and that actually takes a lot of work. That's pretty complex to do. Yeah, absolutely. And and I want to get back to the principles in a minute, but let's nurture this line of thinking a little bit more because many organizations you know, have these systems and they struggle. They try and build it themselves. They might be enamored with a sales pitch from one of those transactional systems and it's really reporting on their existing data sets as opposed to bringing in these disparate data sets. So you know, just you know, going back to your experience, why do organizations say, okay, I'm going to go with people insight and how do they drive success? What does success look like for them? Yeah, great question. Maybe I can step back to, and there's a number of segments to that. So let's talk maybe about, you know, if you're running a transactional HCM, and I'm not going to pick on anyone in particular, but a workday would be an example, you know, an Ultipro, an SAP Success Factors, Oracle, whatever you would be running from a transactional HR perspective, that system is actually built for transacting a process, And the data management side and the database side of that is actually quite simple. It's Mm -hmm. open the filing cabinet, put that data in the front, do the next transaction, put the next data in, next, 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 next. So operational data is actually fairly linear and fairly simple to manage in these transactional systems. And then what is really needed for insight is the ability to add that flat filing cabinet add another filing cabinet to it, and another filing cabinet, and another file. All of a sudden, you've got a room full of information and data and files, and you need a way to get through and discover it. Yep. So your transactional systems are not architected, never will be. It's fish or fowl. Yep. They will never will be architected to have super powerful data discovery in the same way that a pure data warehouse will enable. And that pure data warehouse technology is really architected around deep discovery and very flexible segmentation within that big filing room. And I speak about, you know, to put it in very simple terms, what I speak about is when you go to Google and book a flight, once you've selected two pieces to it, search and transaction, the search is really, really complex. Many, many variables, many, many, uh, you know, time, there's price, there's seat availability, there's number, there's a ton of discovery that needs to happen in the background on the front end of that transaction. You say buy, you then do a financial transaction, which is pretty simple. You lock that thing in, you calculate the taxes, you make sure that that thing gets processed in a secure way. That's simple. In those two worlds, two pieces to that. What we have in HR across the board is just that financial transaction side. We really do not have at large, en masse, industry-wide, real sophistication on the data discovery side. And that, I believe, is the search side. And that, I believe, is the opportunity that HR has to change the game for their businesses and for the profession. I like the metaphor. I like the visualization that creates. I believe it's spot on. And you know, correct me if I'm wrong from your experience. You know, HR data is not normal data. Oftentimes it's ill-defined. You know, The transactions, to your point, don't happen, quote unquote, on time. They don't happen immediately in some cases. So there has to be some underlying logic to understand what the data definitions are, the data dictionary, and provides a discipline to that search. So what you find is actually relevant and timely. Is that how you view it as well? A hundred percent. And to point two of your question prior, which is why do organizations struggle with HR, people analytics, workforce analytics, whatever you want to call it, is that 
ability to normalize data, the mm. HR data. That in and itself is very, very complex. If you think about the flight search criteria, right, you're actually looking for, when you book a flight, inventory today. If we extend that to the HR world, what your HR data warehouse needs to be able to do is go back to January the 14th, 1994, or 2006, and look at the inventory availability at that point in time. That's what an HR analytics platform is doing for payroll, compensation, organizational structure, tenure at that time, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So this time-based, you know, this nested historical nature of HR data is incredibly complex. And I think what organizations struggle with is really, and frankly, that's why we haven't made the progress that we should have made over the last 20 years. We've lost the game when it comes to that. And where we are going today, unfortunately, is, you know, even though they're very, very handy at data, we're asking finance folks or operational analytics folks to come and try and figure this HR stuff out for us. And that doesn't always work. That's right. Because those simple, I say simple, big data sets, but simple transactional structure of a financial structure, an operational or a sales structure, does not translate to the high complexity of effective data transactions. And so what you're sharing is something that has been gained through years of experience in working with this data, these right. various data sets. And for organizations to have somebody focus on this implies that they can find talent who has similar experience, that they're resourced with the technology that has ability to deliver the aggregation and visualization analysis, the search capability that you're describing. It also assumes that there's a career path for that individual. So I'm presuming that part of your core value proposition is you're taking much of that work off an organization so they can focus on making decisions, facilitating change with the insights that are being generated. Again, is that a fair way to package it? Absolutely. And that kind of comes back to some of the principles that we have is... Yeah, please, with the principles. Yeah, the kind of organization that's a great fit for us as an organization is that that company who is talent-minded, who has data, whose business or their HR team really want to drive bigger impact in terms of productivity and people out, the people side of business outcomes. Mm -hmm. So the framework is in place, the, the conditions are there, but when they hired that person, spoke to somebody yesterday, came from finance to build a people analytics capability in a 5,000 person insurance company and spent the first six, nine months in spreadsheets doing a really flashy dashboard we're underutilizing those people because there's a lot more to the situation in terms of complexity, yep. data, data management, production quality and production supported infrastructure and platform, skills in terms of business intelligence, data visualization, data science, algorithm development, skills also in terms of operation security, GDPR, it's, you know, there's 15 layers that we can define in terms of a production class, people analytics engine, all the way from the way data comes in to the way that the user needs to access for GDPR compliance or basic privacy and competitive advantage. The fact that they need to access certain packets of data and not other packets of data, yeah. compensation versus turnover, for example. 
So yeah. that's a lot of pieces to it. And a spreadsheet taps out real quick. <laughs> so what the type of organization that really works well for us to work with is a company that has all these needs, has no way of legitimately within the HR team or with their partnership with the IT team to get there to a 15-layer solution like that and just wants to have a partner to do the heavy lifting, deliver that in a consistent, rapid, secure, and trusted way so that they, as quote-unquote people analytics experts, can actually get to using that data to drive conversations and consult and fix problems that need fixing in the organization. Got it. And thanks for that, because it provides, I think, a lot of clarity on where you fit within what I would call the data to change process. So you have these transactional right. systems, a lot of data. You have to bring that together. You have to make sure it's accurate, timely, and staged in a way that it can in turn be visualized, analyzed, and pushed out to a broader community, and then change happens downstream. What we're talking about, and you brought this up earlier, is that this is aligned with the 3.0 model where 1.0 in organization, and this is about more broadly defining what people analytics is in 2019, 2020, and beyond where organizations are doing research on an ad hoc, you know, discrete basis. They're also, you know, have this challenge of bringing data together, visualizing it. Yeah. And like we've been talking about, but also this idea of there's AI and there's all these valuable tools, but right. oftentimes they're bright lights and distracting because they're not delivering the core value that we're talking about. So is it accurate to say that you're in this 2.0 bucket? And it's an and at the end of the day. It's not an or, it's an right. and for any organization, but your core value proposition is around 2.0. Is that correct? That's correct. And you know, I speak about that 2.0 from your piece on LinkedIn. I, it really resonated with me when I read that. The notion of that 2.0 segment to me really speaks to the needs that we see our customers articulating to us. It's less about AI and machine learning and wonderful advanced capabilities, some a little on the bleeding edge variety, but a lot of those now, especially, you know, the organizational network analysis, and these are really mainstream capabilities today, but not all customers are looking for it. Not all organizations are looking to have somebody manage and run the whole platform either. Not one size fits all. So for us, where we've really made great inroads is this middle market type organization, anywhere from about 500 to 5,000 employees. They're not quite big enough to get real attention as an HR team from the IT capability or the internal business intelligence capability within an organization. So they're not going to be building stuff or they're going to struggle to build stuff out. They're going to be in the back of the queue after sales and finance. Right. You know, you've got to have a certain critical mass in terms of three, four, five hundred employees to be able to have some good data, some good investment in cloud-based HCM and ATSs and learning management systems. You need some data. It can't be just in a downloaded spreadsheet, an open source spreadsheet. You need some structure around that and some ability to manipulate and work with that at scale. So these are those kind of boundaries that we work within. And that segment, from my experience, and we work with a lot of organizations, they're looking for 2.0 capabilities. They're looking for extending the, you know, they've been running Workday or Ulti for two or three years. They expected workforce analytics or people analytics. They didn't get it. To your point, they got reporting on the stack. 
on the data that's within that stack. What they're looking for is the ability to blend recruitment data, candidate data with employee data. And based on what you're sharing, and given the reality that I see in the marketplace, we have these mid-sized organizations and even some enterprises, they're all, everyone's resource constrained. However, if you're a mid-sized organization, you probably have a small HR team and you're lucky if you have someone who's dedicated to quote-unquote people analytics. So they're asked to do research and deep dives into specific areas, you know, DNI or what have you. They're also asked to create these dashboards. They're also asked to understand how to recruit better. And, and so, you know, their ability to deliver on all this is obviously constrained. They might not have the expertise. So you are going to augment that capability. And again, HR data being unique, right. you all might have more expertise and familiarity with the tools and data itself than someone internal. Again, is that you know, yeah, fair way that you're seeing? Do you know, that's a great characterization. A very interesting component to that, though, is the fact that not all HRIS or comp analysts can make that jump to being a business intelligence, have a business intelligence or an advanced data management skill set. So that's the first thing. Nor can some of them take it to the next step, which is, you know, if you're not doing this, you don't do people analytics, which is really driving the conversation, consulting and driving change. So however you're going to source that in the organization, it may not be from your workday HRIS analyst. It may not be from an existing. So this is where we can really help out. You focus on doing your business transactionally. We deal with the entire data management, visualization, people analytics stack, and you just use. So what would you say to someone who says, oh, I don't want to call out any one technology, but says, hey, we have a BI tool that we're using you know, across the enterprise, or, hey, we have something and we're going to do it next year. You know, Having been in this space for a number of years like yourself, I see organizations waiting for Godot. You know, it's like they're just in this absurd place and they never get there and Godot never shows up and the tool never gets built at least to the extent that it can add value. So to put a point on the question, how would you articulate the business case for people? The challenge with going with a generic BI tool set is really less about the visualization and more about the data management side with HR data for the reasons that we've talked about before. You know, a lot of visualization tools, and these things are brilliant, right? They're fantastic, but where they really drop the ball, because it's a very complex one to catch, is in that HR data management side. To your point, though, in terms of what's the ROI with going with, I would say, let's categorize this as maybe a a pure play in HR analytics or people analytics. And there's a number out there and there's a number, I think they're all great solutions, but they have different segments and different markets that they focus on, different features and capabilities. But the difference between, you know, the reason why you'd go with a pure play in, in workforce analytics is really around predictability of delivery. So we figured out in our industry how to ingest raw data, do that transformation in the right way, connect that data in to get that unified data model. So that's a really, really specialized skill. And you probably know all the same people that I know who really can do that. You know, it's a pretty yeah. small community, especially at scale, right? So doing it in a onesie kind of, let's do it once to get a Gen 15 cut on the data 
To do that once is still complex, but then to do that at scale, to make sure this beast gets fed with daily updates from the HRAS, and the, that's a whole different set of capabilities. So at the end of the day, this complexity of all these layers coming together needs to be a really finely oiled machine. And that's why we don't have this, and we're only seeing this in the last few years. Business intelligence, you know, we're here in Ottawa and Cognos and SAS down in Raleigh, North Carolina. These were the forefathers of analytics. We've been doing this stuff for 25, 30 years and most components of the business. But the complexity of the HR data model is really the Achilles heel on why we haven't made progress in this space. So predictability, and if you can manage predictability and experience with people who have and technologies that do this in a pure play fashion, you can manage risk, you can manage cost, you can get to a solution faster. So, And that's even before you start to use the data for making decisions. A customer that we had within, and this is about three or four years ago, they were moving from really very little information management from a technology company, uh, very little information management in the hands of the managers to, you know, people in sight with everything that they could have in the hands of managers on their team. So all of a sudden they start to realize that across the board, one of their key roles in technology, in one of their technology development roles was turning over an inordinate rate. Just by having that ability to drop into the data, to see where those key roles were turning over, Managers started to pay more attention. Yeah. Did some very simple changes. They, within the first year, reduced that key role turnover, which was critical for them hitting their business plan by 25%. It was unbelievable in terms of dollar outcomes and just continuation of them delivering on their business plans. So it's amazing how empowered people feel when they can actually see something and take appropriate action with confidence, you know, as opposed to guessing and staying in the dark. So thanks for sharing. And going back to your narrative around where we are in the evolution of business intelligence technologies, I couldn't agree more. And it's also the case where many organizations are saying, they're saying we're not there yet. Uh, we're still doing X. And I have long said, hey, if you're going to get there, you're going to have to make decisions and make it happen. There's not going to be a day where you're going to wake up and say, okay, today is the right day. It's you know, beginning with the end in mind. So when you get the narrative, hey, we're not there yet, what do you say? So a couple of things. Start with what you've got. Connect your use cases to juicy business issues. So whatever you're doing, don't do it for HR navel-gazing purposes. Yeah. Get to the business and drive strategic or operational outcomes or fix problems worth solving that have some juicy outcome that a head of sales, a financial person, a general manager, that person can actually say, yeah, this HR team, they're actually getting, they're bringing in to balance some of their, you know, traditional more soft thinking into some hard thinking. I don't think there should be a split of either. I think the two quantitative and qualitative approaches need to come together. And that's where HR actually has a very, very unique opportunity. We do have those skills on the understanding and contextualizing in the soft side of the business. We also know what the heck is going on in terms of our process. But if we can then add that with data points and be evidence-based, I think we have a very, very powerful role to play in business moving forward. To put a cap on that, I do believe organizations, their HR business partners really need to, in that context of driving more strategic 
and effective operational outcomes, the HR business partner group is absolutely critical. They need to raise their game in terms of becoming data savvy, in terms of being more consultative and business focused, and drive some organizational change, which is data driven. So that's kind of where I see things. And the HR business partner community cannot do that unless they have the data and tools accessible in ways that's consumable. So that's what you bring to the fore, yeah? Yeah. And you use the word, and it was not lost on me. I just know we're limited for time here. You used the word a few minutes ago, confidence. This notion of HR people, HR teams, executive HR leadership teams, once they start to have data at their fingertips, their confidence and their capability and the trust that they get, it's a hockey stick. I see it time and time again. It's really quite inspiring. It's for me, in some of the stuff that I've done in my past career, the most positive change that I've ever seen in organizations. And I've been working in kind of big SAP HR implementation, system implementation since the early 90s. The most positive pull-based change, motivation-driven change, is when we give HR teams data and access to that data that they trust, and all of a sudden their chest pops out and they march ahead. And to summarize where we started is that this doesn't happen on accident. There has to be a concerted effort to make it happen. And you also mentioned the word opportunity. And I would go so far as to say, and correct me if I'm wrong in your thinking, we also have a responsibility as HR leaders to empower our organization through the business partners to make this happen. Otherwise, there's a lot of people guessing. It's my idea. It's my perspective, you know, over your and it's a yeah. marginal value at the end of the day relative to what could be. Is that you know, how you're seeing it as well? In fact, I think if you're not data-driven as an HR leadership team, you're a liability to yourself, to the business, because you're managing the workforce, which has a massive financial material you know, a burden on the organization, and your liability to the HR folk who are getting hired by you as new analysts, because this is the way that they're thinking today. You know, the new analysts who are coming in, these are data-driven people. This is not, I'm going to check my data-driven world at the door and then become all gut feel. No, it's not going to happen. So there's responsibility, but there's liability, I believe, if they're not taking this and embracing this. And the fact of the matter is, there's tons of data in the organization, tons and tons of underutilized people and productivity data that's just ready to be tapped. So the opportunity is there in every single organization, even small or large. So what I'm hearing, whether it be with people insight or someone else, just do it. (laughs) Yeah, just do it. I mean, and even, you know, I used to teach a course on this stuff and I had one gentleman in this course once and he was a, he was a Liverpool supporter too, actually. So (laughs) he was a okay in my book. So he was a controller from a hundred person manufacturing company. He had never worked in HR, little rough around the edges in terms of HR policy. And, you know, it wasn't quite his real sweet spot. And it was in a manufacturing environment as well. So it was probably appropriate for that. That being said, this man took the workforce analytics principles that I shared with him on how to become more business-focused, more business-savvy, more data-driven, and has driven absolutely amazing change in this organization, tremendous growth over the last three years, just through spreadsheet-based workforce analytics and looking at the data, doing that data management himself, 
but looking at it in a really proactive way to help drive change. So this is not rocket science. Some of it is rocket science out on the 3.0 side. Yeah. I'm into more of arithmetic and, if I could say, <laughs> arithmetic and, you know, basic stats versus uh, the rocket science. So hey, got to get it done. <laughs> so, hey, John, inspiring conversation. Thanks for sharing. And how can people get in touch with you? Yeah. So, you know, through our website, peopleinsight.com, P-E-O-P-L-E-I-N-S-I-G-H-T.com. Contact us through there. You'll find my contact details through there. We're not a sales-heavy kind of place. We like to find great fit with the customers that we work with. And one of the best things about my job, I work on the sales side, is I get to speak to lots of people who have got a common issue. And we do this. We have this type of conversation a lot, and I love this. So regardless if you're a fit, reach out. I'll have that conversation with anybody. All right, John. Well, thanks again. I appreciate you being here, sharing, bringing your energy and ideas. And uh, we'll see you soon, yeah? Thanks, Al. Thanks for joining the People Analytics and Future of Work podcast with Al Adamson. To find other podcasts, videos, upcoming events, and to join the Global People Analytics Network, please visit us at globalpeopleanalytics.net.